Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Welcome to Freezing Time with me, Sophia Money Coots, created by Offscript. It's day eight of the nasal spray. It is 9.30pm on a Saturday night and I am in bed watching more Sopranos. I actually saw a friend of mine today who has had egg freezing and I said, you drank a bit, didn't you, when you were going through egg freezing? And she frowned at me and went, nope, didn't have a thing. So given that I've had the odd glass in the past week, I've decided I've got to probably be better about that. The the um, advice is actually a bit conflicting on this. Some people say you absolutely shouldn't drink. Some people say the odd glass really doesn't make any difference. But I feel like even though I've only had probably a couple of glasses of wine, maybe a bit more um, in the past week, I should probably be a bit stricter. Um, so anyway, here goes. More nasal spray. My right nostril. <laughs> And then my left nostril. Ugh. I should be getting my period any second now. My poor family. I think, especially my poor brother-in-law who I'm living with, is quite bored of hearing me discuss this. Um, I think the moment I get my period, it's going to kind of be a bit like my water's have broken i'm gonna rush downstairs <laughs> and announce it to the whole family so i'm waiting for it any second um which is when i will then call up the lister and start the next phase which is the injections dun 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 but until that moment i'm gonna just sit here and carry on watching the sopranos hello i'm sophia money coots i'm 35 single and i'm freezing my eggs In this podcast, I'm taking you through the story of my own egg freezing, as well as talking to experts and women from around the world. If you're new to this podcast, then welcome. I'm not pushing my own work, but this episode will probably make more sense if you start at the beginning and listen from there. In this episode, I'm looking at why egg freezing has boomed in Britain in the past decade and the choices women face when it comes to the question of having children. As you can tell from the incredible sacrifice I made by not drinking wine, or nearly not drinking, freezing your eggs isn't something to enter into lightly. It's a serious and expensive process that takes several weeks for just one round. I'm sure some people would be horrified that I drank at all while going through it, but I figured it's a bit like women's individual choices when they're pregnant. If you want to drink, have the odd glass. My mum always said when she was pregnant, she didn't feel like drinking for the first three months, but after that, If she did feel like a Sauvignon Blanc, she believed it was Mother Nature's way of telling her to have one. So basically, it's up to you. I did give up coffee, which was a struggle. Anyway, I'm getting off the point. My mum had me in 1985, seven years after the first ever IVF baby was born. By that time, scientists had already worked out how to successfully freeze sperm and embryos, but eggs were proving trickier. In 1986, when I was one, the world saw the first baby born from a frozen egg. Actually, they were twins. But for a long time, frozen eggs were less successful at creating pregnancies than fresh eggs, partly due to the slow cooling technique used. 
so a new freezing technique called vitrification was developed. I'll let the listeners' fertility doctor James Nicopolis explain more about what that is and how it impacted the popularity of egg freezing. I've got a stat which is that it's up 400%, I think, between 2010 and 2016. Does that sound about right? I think the number of egg freezing cycles that we've done has doubled in the last two years or so. So that's, that sounds about right. Yeah, massively wow. increasing demand. Yeah, and can you just explain why exactly that is? Well, there's a number of factors. Certain things haven't changed. What hasn't changed is that we're all having babies a little bit later and there's an increasing awareness that when, when we all get to a certain age that if that isn't imminent, then we need to have a potential plan B. The problem historically has been that that plan B hasn't worked particularly well. Mm-hmm. Um, but the freezing techniques changed about a decade ago. So the freezing techniques that we now are able to use are seemingly giving us a much better success rate. That's vitrification, right? Absolutely, yeah. In essence, vitrification is a rapid freezing technique. Mm -hmm. You're freezing them much quicker um, Mm -hmm. and the temperature changes are much quicker and it makes the the eggs, which have got a large water content, less prone to crystal damage when when you thaw them. And it's that thaw damage with the crystals that, in essence, have, have historically made eggs more friable and less able to survive and do as well as embryos. Okay. So it just means a greater success rate, basically, vitrification. Absolutely. A higher, higher free survival rate. And as a consequence, the more eggs you have, the more chance you have of finding one that gets the job done. Okay. And when did the Lister Fertility Clinic then start offering freezing? We started offering it probably in the late noughties. Okay. But vitrification started in 2010. And again, that technique has been uh, improved over the last decade, obviously. How many of your patients, roughly as a percentage, would be coming in to see you at the Lister for egg freezing as opposed to IVF? I think that's changed significantly over the last few years. Mm-hmm. You know, egg freezing has only been something that we've been confident about perhaps for a decade or so. So the proportion of people that we see for freezing has increased significantly over the last five or six years. Yeah. As a guesstimate, I think we do approximately two to 2,400 cycles a year i think about 300 of those or just over that are now egg freezing about 15 percent. since i had that chat with dr james the hfea which is the main government fertility organization has actually published stats revealing that egg freezing has gone up over 500 percent since 2012 so basically it's booming and for me the growing popularity of egg freezing is a positive development because it means women are becoming more aware of the options that they have liberated from the idea that we have to settle down, one of my least favourite phrases in the world, by a certain age. You don't have to marry that boyfriend just because you feel like you're running out of time on the baby front. There are options these days, so many options, and egg freezing is just one of these. So although I was 99% sure it was the right thing for me, I thought it was worth mulling over the other options. Some sensible, some slightly less sensible. If I wasn't freezing my eggs, what else could I do? I could wait and hope that Mr. Wright miraculously appears on a dating app, but have you been on a dating app recently? Exactly. I could have settled with my ex-boyfriend, who I loved very much, but knew it wasn't quite right. I could think about co-parenting, which a friend of mine has done, having a baby with a gay friend of hers. I could adopt. I could get a dog. I could become a single mother using a sperm donor, which, as I discussed with Amy Hart on episode two, isn't where I'm at right now, although I haven't ruled out in the future. Or I could do nothing and not have children. How much do I want them? Do I want them enough to spend £5,000 on freezing? If I don't have them, 
Will I regret it later? Is the fear of regret enough of a reason to have a baby in the first place? During lockdown, I've listened to quite a few podcasts by Elizabeth Gilbert, the woman who wrote Eat, Pray, Love. She's talked often about women who are put on this earth to be mothers and women who are put on this earth to be aunties. Should I be an auntie, not a mother? It's a question I ask myself pretty much every day and I don't have the answer yet. Our society still holds motherhood up as the gold standard of achievement for women. But what if you decide it's not for you? This is where a woman called Lottie Gross comes in. She put a lot of thought into whether or not she wanted children and decided in the end that she didn't. Was there a single moment that that occurred to you or was it more a sort of gradual dawning? Um, I think it was probably a gradual dawning. So I think I spent my younger teenage years thinking that settling down, getting married, having children was sort of the the path I had to Mm -hmm. take because that's all I'd ever known. That's what my parents had done. And then after school, I did a little bit of travelling with some friends and I think that's when I discovered that there was more to the world than um, what I had grown Mm -hmm. up with. And from there, I think I just sort of... I lost interest in that as my future. And so it wasn't so much as a a dawning of, oh, I don't really want children... Mm. It was a dawning of there is so much more out there for me than the option I thought was available to me. As I've got older, that feeling has gradually faded completely that I would want Mm -hmm. children. I would say probably by the age of probably 21, I definitely knew that I, I absolutely wouldn't have kids. Lottie actually felt so strongly about this that she asked her GP if she could have her tubes tied, a not very technical term which took me aback when I first heard it because you more commonly hear it in relation to male vasectomies. I went to the GP to have my marina coil taken out because it gave me a year-long period. And we sat down to sort of talk about what was next. And she said, OK, so there's another coil you can try. And I was like, please, can we just tie my tubes? She was quite taken aback, I think. Mm. Um, And she was actually really sympathetic and really lovely. And I broke down in tears because she basically said it's not going to happen. You're too young at this time. At this point, I was, you know, about 23 years old. So, you know, she was super supportive and she was really lovely, but she she just was adamant that no one would do mm. it. And that there was no point in referring me because I was too young. And she said, because I haven't had children and because I'm only 23, they won't tie my tubes because I might change my mind in the future. Okay. But I have been going back to doctors on and off over the last five or six years to try and negotiate my way into seeing a consultant to talk about having my tubes tied. Why do you think all these doctors refused? Do you feel like it's as if they don't want to let you sort of police your own body? You know what? I think it's it's not that they have any sort of personal vendetta against me and my control of my body. I think it's just like institutional patriarchy mm-hmm. um, and it's old-fashioned views that are still being perpetuated by professionals in the NHS. That women should settle down, should settle down that hideous phrase, produce children. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. That all women at some point will have children or should have children or will want to have children, that those... That's, you know, as far as they're concerned, that's the rules. Um, The NHS website actually states that no one under the age of 30 can have their tubes tied or the NHS wouldn't tie the tubes of anyone under the age of 30. And so, I mean, I'm 29 now, so I'm less than a year away from that golden age of 30 (laughs) where I can possibly get it done. But Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Since that first GP appointment, 
Lottie has seen a number of different doctors and finally been told that she might be able to have the procedure when she turns 30. Although mine and Lottie's stories are different in loads of ways, there's something depressingly familiar about this adhering to old-fashioned views about what a woman should do with her life, what family should look like, and people's, or dare I say men's, desire to control our fertility. Perhaps unsurprisingly, when Lottie was brave enough to write about wanting to have her tubes tied recently, she found that a lot of women felt the same way as her, but didn't feel like they could talk about it. I was expecting a lot of trolling. Yeah. And a lot of emails from angry, um, you know, traditionalists saying, how dare you not use your womb for the purposes of mankind. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But actually the the reaction was overwhelmingly positive. And I had so many women get in touch with me and say, oh my God, I'm in the same boat. I feel the same way. Mm. I'm in communities on Facebook where other women have expressed the same feelings as mine. Mm. And, you know, we've sort of talked about it. And I think that there has just been a lot of support, which is really lovely. Um, There are also a lot of people saying, you know, all very well, go get your tubes tied. I don't care. Just don't do it on my tax dollars. My (laughs) response to them is it's cheaper probably for me to have my tubes tied now then keep using the NHS to try all these new contraceptive methods. Excellent point. Because I want to continue having <laughs> safe sex. So. Yeah. What is what would the operation entail? Is it quite a major bit of surgery? I have no, no idea. It, it's okay. like 30 minutes, keyhole procedure. You're awake for Go the whole home. thing and then mm. you can walk home. It was clear to me, if not the doctors, that Lottie has really, really thought this through and has powerful arguments for getting her tubes tied. It actually made me think she's thought harder about her options than plenty of people I know who seem to follow the same old blueprint of meeting someone at uni, getting engaged, getting married, and having babies simply because that's what everyone else does by a certain age. And I kind of wish more people did consider what they really want, like Lottie, because getting married and having children is such a big deal. And I'm not sure everyone thinks hard enough about it. You just get towards your late 20s and bang! Every other weekend is spent in a church or town hall as another couple hops on the bandwagon. Do I sound cynical? Surely not. Anyway, back to Lottie. I massively respect her for deciding she wants this operation and also for being brave enough to talk about it, despite people like me constantly asking how she knows that she's sure. You're 100% certain, right? Because when it comes to me, for instance, I'm freezing my eggs because I'm getting closer to being certain that I want children, but I'm not 100% certain that I do. And therefore, I'm sort of hedging my bets a bit by freezing my eggs. And I think a lot of women potentially aren't 100% certain they want children when they're even pregnant or they're, you know, days from their due date because it's freaking terrifying. And yet you do seem so certain that this is, you know, what you want. So you you don't think you'll change your mind. Sorry, I feel like one of those doctors. <laughs> no, it's fine. <laughs> you have to ask for the purposes of this podcast. I will. Yes, um... exactly. It's a balance. <laughs> so, of course, there is always a possibility I will change my mind and I'm absolutely not negating that I'm not saying that that's impossible um but what I'm saying is that I am sure now that I don't want children and I am confident that I will not want children in the near future mm-hmm. and it might be that but you know I turned 50 and then suddenly realized oh I really wish I'd had kids but you know what biologically that probably wouldn't have been possible or mm-hmm. sensible by the time I'm 50 anyway so I'm going to put that thought to one side and forget about it. In 10 mm-hmm. years' time, might I decide I want children? Maybe. But to be honest, I, I really don't think that that will happen. I, mm. I really don't. I just, the way I feel about kids, the way I think about kids, and, and the, when I think about the life, how my life would change and how 
other people's lives change when they have kids. I think mm. about the financial commitment. I think yeah. about the emotional stress. You know, the lifestyle I lead right now, I travel a lot because I'm a travel writer. So I spend a lot of time in the air on aeroplanes and that's really, really, really rubbish for the environment. Um, by not having a child, I can probably reduce my impact on the environment. There is a so huge... offsetting, anyway. Is that, exactly, I'm offsetting by not having children. And yeah. I think, you know, the, the lifestyle I lead doesn't lend itself to having kids. And the financial impact as well, the, the financial commitment you make, I'm not really sure I, I want that. Like I've only just managed to get myself a mortgage, mm. and even that is scary yeah. enough. The financial commitment to having a child is, you know, you can't just remortgage that when you need to. Uh-huh. I also just don't think I would be a very good mother. <laughs> I actually don't really like kids. The idea of having kids in the first place wasn't because I wanted children. It was because I thought that that's what I was meant to do. Mm. It wasn't like I had this burning desire. I wasn't, I don't feel maternal in any way. You know, I just, I feel like pregnancy is overrated. Yeah. Not that I've been pregnant. Lots of women love it, but also lots of women hate it. And I just don't, I don't see why we should be expected to put our bodies through that if there are other options. Right, like I said, so many options. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And now we're going to discuss one of the more controversial paths some women try to go down. Spurgling, or alternatively, sperm burgling. Essentially, this is where a woman tells a man she's on the pill, or another form of contraception, and accidentally on purpose gets pregnant. It's something I hear about a bit, but it's a very uncomfortable thing to talk about, women trapping men into having their baby. The first time I came across this phrase was while working at Tatler magazine several years ago. A colleague knew a man who this had happened to, and we tried to write a piece about all the examples where a woman is accused of stealing a man's sperm. We didn't run the piece in the end because the editor decided it was too controversial. It is definitely happening, though. I have personal experience of it with a past relationship, where an ex had a baby with his previous girlfriend who had supposedly trapped him, and it was all very complicated and sad. I wrote about Spurgling in my second novel, and in my research, discovered forums where women discuss how many holes they need to poke in condoms for sperm to get through, and which apps are best to use for working out their most fertile days, I don't want to sound sensationalist about it, but it's certainly going on. And I'm fascinated by the concept of a woman's biological clock ticking so hard it drives her to do this. Famously, this is something that controversial Daily Mail columnist Liz Jones admitted to doing in 2011, in a piece that caused debate up and down the country. Yeah, I think she's the most dangerous animal on the planet, is the 39-year-old woman who's scared of 
turning 40 who's worried their hormones are going to drop. I need to warn you, Liz is someone who speaks her mind and isn't afraid to ruffle feathers. I'm not recommending it. Young <laughs> is a joint decision. But yes, ideally. Perhaps don't realise how women's minds work. So they might want a child for some financial security. They might want a child because they're sick of their job and they want to give it up. They want to keep the man. They're desperate to be a mum. Whatever the reason is, a lot mm. of women take it into their own hands. So there's all sorts of, of, of ways women can manipulate men, um, you know, rushing secretly off to the bathroom, putting a hole in the condom. When you found yourself in the bathroom, is that what you were doing? No, what I did was I turned it inside out. And the reason I did it was not because I was desperate for a child. I just wanted to keep the man. I wanted to tie him to my side for a bit. I didn't really, really, really desire a baby. I just wanted the bloke. Mm. That was a way of cementing us together more than perhaps having a cat. So rather than being desperate for a baby, Liz Spurgle to try to solve relationship problems. In her article for the Daily Mail, she writes, I resolved to steal his sperm from him in the middle of the night. I thought it was my right, given that he was living with me and I had bought him many, many M&S ready meals. The theft itself was alarmingly easy to carry out. One night, after sex, I took the used condom and in the privacy of the bathroom, I did what I had to do. Bingo! Perhaps fortunately... This thievery didn't result in a pregnancy, and I don't think Liz was too disappointed. She's had a successful career as a writer and editor and loves her job. And actually, she'd never felt very maternal. Yeah, I mean, I never, as a child, I never had dolls that I played with. My sisters did, but I was just always into horses, dogs. Okay. I was never that focused on getting a husband or settling down or having children Mm. I was totally focused on my career but it was everything to me and it still is it was work 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 work. and I used to see these women disappear to have babies Mm -hmm. and they used to offload their stuff Mm. on me this is before I got married. That's so quite crucial. I was still single. single. Okay. And you had no sense of a biological clock of your own at this moment. You just sort of disproved of of women sort of suddenly changing like yeah, that. Yeah, so I'd never had any maternal feelings as a child. I was very severely anorexic, so I didn't really mm. menstruate. I think I only ever had one period um, when I was about 18, and that was it. I never had another one. So it never really crossed my mind that I was going to become this sort of broodmare. And so I concentrated on work and seeing women at work, it put me off even more because they were so flaky. So she'd attempted to spurgle someone and not long afterwards, the relationship ended. A few years later, she got married and once again started thinking about children. Bam, I got married. Everything changed. My attitude changed. Did you start feeling broody when you got married or you just thought, oh, I no. should do this thing now? Not at all, because I got married when I was 41. Uh, okay. My husband was 27. Mm. He liked the fact I was footloose and fancy free and that he didn't have any responsibilities. And I had a house and I had a car and I had a great job and I left him on his own for quite a lot of the time. Mm. But as I started... It wasn't to do with the biological clock, really. As I started to think, maybe this isn't enough. We can't mm. just, it's all a bit pointless, really. We then thought, well, 
even though we were having unprotected sex, I didn't get pregnant. So we then went down the adoption route. But we got really quite far. We had the home inspection. We filled in all the forms. We became yeah. an adopted child from India. But then he backed out okay. because of my high-powered career, because then I was working on the Evening Standard, not getting home until 8.30 at night. I used to leave for work at 4 a.m. every day to be wow. in the office at five. I did the most insane hours. And he'd be on the phone saying, well, you can't possibly do those hours if you have a baby, you can't load it all on me, something's gonna have to change. I thought, oh God, this is gonna change my career. Obviously, mm -hmm. I can't leave work early. This is who I am. Um, but then when I found out he was having an affair, he said, mm. um, I want to be a dad and you can't give that to me. And was that devastating? For you at that point, had you, I mean, so you, having never felt any sense of a biological clock, did you then feel any sense of regret? You know, the moment is probably not one moment when it dawns on you that you won't have children. I'm sure it happens over, a, you know, a period of time. Did you then feel regret? Well, I, I don't feel any regret really, because if I'd had a child with him, I'd have had to keep seeing him every now and then. And it's better <laughs> to get someone out of your life, isn't it, really? Don't think I'd have been that great a mother because I'm so driven by work. Um, mm. I've suffered from eating disorders. I wouldn't want to pass that on to a child. I'm very much a perfectionist. If they put something in the wrong place, I'd probably get angry. So it's probably just as well. So you don't look back and ever wish, because this is my fear in a way that I'm trying to weigh up what I really, you know, I'm 35. I need to make a call soonish on the baby thing. So I'm freezing my eggs to freeze my eggs and put them in the freezer then in the next couple of years I'm thinking well maybe if I'm still single I should have a baby by myself but I know that part of the reason behind that is I'm sort of panicking in a way and thinking if I don't have a child will I regret it in the future and I don't know I I find it quite difficult to weigh up whether that's a good enough reason to have a baby but who knows where life is going to take you there's no guarantee of course you know and if you really love children shouldn't you love any child but if you adopt it's like I love any dog I don't need to have squeezed something out between my thighs to love it. Yeah. So if you really love children, couldn't you just love one that you didn't give birth to? Mm -hmm. So you wouldn't go back, there's nothing you would change? Uh, yeah, I guess sometimes I'll be watching a movie about a family in Italy in a villa and they're all grandparents and grandchildren and beautiful children and I don't ever have that. But it also looks like terribly hard work. Because who's doing yes. the cooking? Who's doing all the clearing up? You know, I think that comes from the fact I'm the youngest of seven. My mum had seven children. Mm -hmm. She had no money. She didn't have a dishwasher. She didn't have a car. She didn't have a washing machine. She didn't have any help. So I grew up watching her slaving away, raising seven children, cooking from scratch every day. And I just thought, it looks like too much hard work. Yeah, she sacrificed her whole life to all her children. They weren't that grateful, you know. It's not a guarantee of happiness, I wouldn't say, having children. Although you might disprove of Liz and some of her more extreme views, I admire her honesty here. And again, I feel like it's something to remember in a society that holds up motherhood as the most important, significant and brilliant role a woman has to offer. Of course it's important and brilliant in a million ways. But from what I can gather, there are moments which are pretty good hell too. And hearing someone say that, say that it's not the be-all and end-all, is refreshing. 
I suppose for me, aside from the fact that I can't imagine myself flailing around in a man's bathroom with a used condom, the point is that I don't want a baby now. I'm freezing my eggs so I can postpone that decision. Talking to Lottie and Liz made me reflect on how conflicted I sometimes feel about having children. So I offloaded to producer slash therapist Hannah. Are you one of those people then who, like, from a really young age was like, yes, babies, like, I'll walk along the road with a little push chair? <laughs> no! <laughs> Do you know what? I've never been... I was never one of those girls who had their dollies and little push chairs or obsessed about having children in the future. And actually, I still don't know that 100% children are for me. I mean, I, I, I felt a lot broodier in lockdown, ironically, because I've been living with my two nieces who are seven and nine and have made me really think that actually young families are oh god I'm sure impossibly difficult but very wonderful as well and I felt sort of more fulfilled telling them to eat their ready breck and finish their broccoli and I've really enjoyed that <laughs> which has actually encouraged my biological biological clock more than it ever has before I, I've been a bit, quite worried actually in recent years I was like where is this biological clock that everyone talks about like I don't have it I don't look at a baby in the street and burst out in tears because it's not my baby and a lot of my friends really do seem to be driven or have been driven by their biological clock and I was always like God, maybe I've got a faulty one and it's just not it's not there and then I have slowly been feeling a bit broodier more recently, but I never like assumed that that was in my future at all. And I don't now, you know, I might freeze my eggs and then I, you know, nothing may come of it. So yeah, I, I it, it does worry me sometimes. I think, God, do I really want to do this? It's obviously a, a, a pretty lifelong commitment. And am I ready for that? Do I want to have a sort of screaming bundle which, you know, destroys my life as I know it. But I think a lot of women, I'm not sure that anyone has a baby knowing 100% that it's for them. I'm sure everyone has yeah. these sorts of fears. So, But also that's not the decision that you're making at the moment. Exactly, exactly, right. I'm just, so I, therefore I think the egg freezing is a sensible thing to do because it, it hopefully gives me options down the line. I mean, yeah. an expensive thing to do, just have options. But again, I just thought if I don't do it, then maybe I'll look back and really regret it. So just suck it up and get on with it, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies for a slight lapse in eloquence there. Perhaps the drugs were getting to me. Talking of which, by this point, 10 days into the nasal spray, I was still waiting for my period. This is the Fertility Clinic. How can I help you? Oh, hello. Hi. Um, I've been taking Cinerel for nine days now, nearly ten days, and I'm waiting to get my period before ringing you guys and saying, can I come in for my to start my egg freezing treatment? But I'm just I'm basically three days or four days late now with my period, and I, I'm. It's not that I'm worried. I just does the Cinerel slow things down? Do you know? Um, it can do, I believe. Um, it can slow things down a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, I think it's usually a couple of uh, a bit longer than four to five days. Okay, I and think I'm just being time. paranoid. I just wanted to check. Yeah. No, 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 that's okay. Can I just pop you on hold for Yeah, of course. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for calling the Lister Hospital. A member of our team will be with you shortly. So the Lister have just said that the Cinerel, the nasal spray, can delay your period for up to a week. And I'm now four days late, which is fine. And at least I know now, but I didn't realise before... And I've slightly been psyching myself up thinking, oh, maybe today's the day I'll get my period and sharing all the details with my entire family. Uh, so it turns out it may be a few days yet. So I'll go and let them all know that. I expect my brother-in-law will be particularly chuffed as we seem to discuss it over dinner pretty much every night now. 
Next time, just to warn everyone, it gets pretty heavy. And that's not just my period when it finally arrives. I shed a few tears in a counselling session as I reflect on how the process is making me question past relationships and how it feels to be going through fertility treatment by myself. Yeah, and I think it just can drum home the sense of um, sort of singledom sometimes, all of this. Freezing Time was produced and written by Hannah Varrell and Sophia Monikoots and created by Offscript. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.